about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. I want to teach this morning. Is that okay? All right, take your Bibles. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We've been talking about uh, the church moving into signs, wonders, and miracles. People say God is on the move. I believe the church is finally on the move. And God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, praise God. So God's not changing anything. He's waiting for us to come in alignment with him and agreement with him, praise God, because he's not going to change his mind. How many know he's not going to? How many have ever tried to change his mind? How many know it didn't work? Praise God. No sense trying to do it then. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verse 21. Very important scripture. It's talking about Jesus. It says, for he, talking about Jesus, or God has made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Notice here it talks about Jesus go to the cross. Jesus did not only bear your sins, he became your sins, according to this. For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made what? What? Say the righteousness. Say it again, the righteousness. Notice, he did not make you a righteousness, because if he made you a righteousness, then you'd be part righteous. He made you the righteousness of God in Christ. That means you this morning have the same right standing with God and the same right standing with the world and with the devil that Jesus has. Because you're the righteousness, and the righteousness that you have is actually his righteousness, not your righteousness. That's why you shouldn't try to get righteous, because you can't get righteous anyway, because it's his righteous. So I've been made just as righteous as he is righteous. All right, go to John chapter 11. you're still trying to do works to be righteous is because you've missed the last six weeks here. <laughs> I pretty much killed that dead cow, I think. We can move on. All right, John chapter 11, look at verse 41. And they took away the stone from the place where the dead was, talking about Lazarus, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I know that thou hearest me always. Now, now, how many of you know that's a bold statement? You go into a church, and some people say, pray, and you say, Father, I thank you that you hear me, and you always hear me. I mean, they'll probably check out before you're even done praying, because they can't believe you're saying that stuff. But notice, Jesus was righteous, so he knew he was righteous, so he was bold when he talked about the Father and about his position, because he knew that he was the righteousness of God in Christ. When Jesus came and suffered and died on the cross, what he did, one of the things he did, was he restored righteousness back to mankind and more than what they lost when Adam lost. In other words, not only are you in right standing with God and right standing with the devil and right standing with circumstances, have authority and rule over them, but basically at the same time now, you are in a position to live a life of victory in every single area of your life because you've been made righteous. So the fall basically has been totally restored if you're born again in the kingdom of God. The righteousness that he lost has been restored to you. Say, I am. The righteousness of God in Christ. Now, this isn't something you come into. This is something you have. 
You understand? The day you got born into the kingdom of God, you became the righteousness of God in Christ because he freely gave it to you, changed the nature on the inside, and made you a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. That very day, you became the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, the problem is many of us try to, to become righteous. You need to grow in the righteousness that you already are. How many know some of us don't know it? Some of us don't understand it. Some of them don't know what happens even when you become righteous. What's the big deal? But notice at the new birth, you became the righteousness of God in Christ. The first thing it did is it restored your standing before God. You can speak to your father without any guilt, any unworthiness, any, any sense of inferiority. You can go to him simply by the blood of Jesus. The veil was rent. Hallelujah, from top to bottom. And you can go in there. You don't have to go in there creepy, crawling, wondering, begging, screaming. You go in there as a son, as a child of God. But he also gave you the right standing now before Satan. How many know that Jesus had a standing before the devil? Jesus had a standing before sickness. Jesus had a standing before a lot of things. That was due to the righteousness of who he was and the right standing that he already had. It also should take away your sin consciousness your unworthy consciousness that cripples you not only of God's presence but of your faith. It's hard to believe somebody that you don't think likes you. And most of us don't think he likes us, so basically it's hard to believe him when we don't think he likes us. But no, we've got to get rid of that because that's where we were born. We were born into a world. We were born with this mentality and this sin nature on the inside of us. And we grew up that way. And religion has taught us how unworthy we are, how much we have to sin. Everybody sins sometimes. You're a sinner saved by grace. God don't even like you. Hopefully you'll sneak in the back door when you die. All these things are there. But we don't understand that when you got born again, all that was changed except the way you see yourself. One time I read it and I thought it was really good. It says, you are the way you are. Because that's the way you think you are. So if you think you're a sinner, you are going to live like a And a sinner really doesn't have any entrance into the presence of God. He's holy and righteous, and you're a sinner. You know, when you walk in there, you're not bold. You're not expecting an answer. You're just trying to get out of there without getting smashed or lightning striking you, basically. Some people still say that today. How many know that I come to your church, but if I walked in, lightning would strike me and kill me? Well, said, they're afraid of the building, much less God himself, because they have that sin-unworthy consciousness. Well, all that is removed now. You're the righteousness of God in Christ, not by anything that you did. So you have the same standing with the Father as Jesus has with the Father. You have the same entrance as Jesus had. You have the same entrance with God, the same standing with God, the same standing before demons, the same standing before sickness. How I many know Jesus was fearless in the presence of his Father? You never see him begging Father God for anything or doing anything. As a matter of fact, by him knowing his righteousness, he made religion mad. He called God his father. And I tell you what, they didn't like that very well. He said he was his son. They didn't like that very well anyway. And I'll tell you what he did great. He always healed somebody on the Sabbath. Some of you think Jesus was this real nice guy out there. I'll tell you what, he had ways. He knew what he was doing. He was just stabbing, get you here, get you there. You don't like me healing on the Sabbath? All right, that's where I'll have my healing meeting on Sabbath day. Hallelujah. Why is that? Because he was righteous. He had no fear of God and he had no fear of man. He had no fear of people. He had no fear of what people thought. He just did whatever the Father told him to do. He had authority over the laws of nature. Jesus ruled and reigned because he was the righteousness of God. The Bible says that you all have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Say, I am, I am. The, righteousness the righteousness of God. Of God. So that makes you, whether you want to do it or not, it makes you a master of everything that comes into your life. 
You can rule over everything that comes into your life. You have the power and authority to rule over that because of your position, not because of anything special with you, but because of the position that God gave you the day that you got born again and came into the kingdom of God. Notice Jesus says, I know you hear me. I know that you always hear me. Now watch what he does in verse 43. And when he had thus had spoken, he crowed with a whimper, made a silent prayer. No, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, do what? Now, how many know here it says, he did this, and when yes, he had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, and he that was dead came forth. Now, you've got to remember, Jesus wasn't by himself. He was with a whole group of people who were already mad at him for not showing up before he died. But yet he walks up there and says, Lazarus, come forth. How many know that's hard to say even when you're just talking to God in your bedroom? underneath your bed, much less in front of everybody. Yet he said in front of a large, he, he walked up to a fig tree one time with his disciples and he said, no man eat fruit of you again. Why is that? He knew who he was. He knew he was the righteousness of God. He knew the authority he had. He knew the power that he had and he spoke it. How many of his disciples heard it? And what, how many think they questioned it? But how many know when they walked by the next day, they didn't question it because it was dead from the roots. And you could tell because Peter walked or, or walk by or, who was it walked by? Uh, one of the disciples walked by and said, oh, that tree you cursed, it's dead. Well, Jesus always expected the tree to die, but they didn't expect the tree to die because they just thought it was another religious command or another religious prayer, basically. But notice he was in a place of righteousness. Say righteousness. He had no inferiority. He, he talked to the father like he was a father, like a son coming into his, his, his dad, like a member of the family, like somebody there. And when we grow in this righteousness that we have, in other words, our thought life, and understand that we have a connection with God that God wants. God wants this. Jesus paid for this. Jesus didn't need this. He already had this before he went to the cross to get it. Everything Jesus did on the cross, none of it was for him. It was all for me. He wasn't having any trouble with the devil. He wasn't having any trouble with sin. He wasn't having any trouble with his nature or anything else. He went to the cross so we could take his place when he took our place. He became sin so you could become righteous. He went to hell so you can go to he was made sickness so you could live. We're the complete opposite. It's a substitution that took place. So all these things belong to us. But until you understand of your position with him and truly righteousness, you will never walk in what he provided for you because you don't understand it. Are you following me? Let me give you an illustration. Uh, we had Thanksgiving at our house. The grandkids came over. Talon turned three. Sometimes when Cash acts like a baby, which he is, Talon will regress and act like a baby. In other words, if we're giving him too much attention, she'll pick up his pacifier and she'll put it in her mouth and we'll simply say, Talon, you're three years old now. We don't do that kind of stuff. Act like who you are. Well, most of the church has a pacifier in their mouth because they still think they're one and a half years old not understanding that everything they ever wanted or desired was provided on the cross for each and every one of us, and now we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. You are a master over situations. You are a master over circumstances. You are a master over sickness. You are a master over disease. You are a master over the devil. You are a master of everything simply because Jesus made you the righteousness of God in Christ when you got born again through a miracle. Hallelujah. All right, go to Mark chapter 1.
All right, Mark chapter 1, look at verse 38. And Jesus said unto them, Let us go into the next town, that I may preach there also, for therefore I came forth. And he preached in the synagogues throughout all Galilee, and he cast out all what? And there came unto him a leper, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and said unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. So here's the story about the leper. Here's Jesus. Jesus is a righteous man. Say a righteous man. We know he was God, we know he was man, but he was not operating as God. He was operating as a righteous man anointed by the Spirit of God, just like you're a righteous man anointed by the Spirit of God. So Jesus walks up to this guy, basically, as a king. He walked up to him as a ruler. He came to deliver them from the power of the devil. He he wanted to bring sickness. He wanted to deliver their bodies. He wanted to take everything. But notice now, he was not worried about catching something that does not belong to a righteous person. See, he, he, he was not healing him of a toenail problem, a hurt finger. He was healing him of the most contagious disease and feared at that time, yet he walked up to him, and the Bible says here he touched him. How many know they were supposed to have mass and six feet around back then when somebody had leprosy? Well, Jesus walks right up to him. Why? He was not afraid of getting something that did not belong to a righteous man because he had authority over it. He was a master of sickness and he was a master of disease. It never even crossed his mind he was going to catch anything or get anything. So he simply walked up and put hands on him basically and did it. The question this morning is, are you still afraid of sickness and disease? And do you don't have to answer. But if you are, how many know you're still growing in your righteous mindset to understand that that stuff does not belong to a person with authority over it. Are you following? I feel like I'm chopping block this morning. Yeah. He didn't care. He just went up and put hands on him. So righteousness basically gave him a master, a ruler over sickness and disease, which was a work of the devil. So he had authority over that because he was the righteousness of God in Christ. So he simply said, be thou clean. How many know what happened? He became clean, and he touched him. Why? He had no fear. He had no inferiority of sickness and disease. He was not afraid of that stuff. He knew who he was, and he knew he could rule over that stuff. All right, Mark chapter 1, go back to verse 21. Mark 1, 21, And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have you to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Out thou come to destroy us. I know who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, said, Hold thy peace, and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And all were amazed insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine? What new teaching is this? For with authority commands he the unclean spirits, and they do what? They obey him. So here we see a righteous man. How many of you are righteous? In the synagogue preaching. You could say in the church preaching. How many know there may be demons in the church? See, sometimes we think demons are only in the slums of New York City and California, but demons are everywhere. How many of you know that? And you're going to run into devil problems and demon problems and things like that in your life. But notice he was in church here, and all at once a, a harassing, unclean spirit cried out in his meaning. And basically the literal translation is Jesus said, Shut up 
and come out of him. How many know that was a command? Now notice, he's just acting normal to Jesus. Jesus is not only righteous, but he has has a purified mind because he never got into sin or any of that stuff. So basically, he's walking, knowing he's righteous. What do I do when I run into the devil? I tell him to shut up, and I tell him to come out. So now watch what the people say in verse 27. And they were all amazed in so much that they questioned among themselves, saying, what new thing is this? What new teaching is this? What the heck is TCVC teaching at that place? Are these people crazy? Are they out of their freaking minds? What's the matter with these people? They think they can command spirits, and, and they leave? This is ridiculous. That's a cult over there. See, the same thing's going on today that with these people. And notice, these people weren't born again. They weren't spirit-filled. They weren't even righteous. And they said, my God, what new doctrine is this? What's going on now? The same thing when this starts happening in the church. Everybody thinks the same thing. A new doctrine. God's finally on the move. God's doing something. No, we are stepping into our position. We're stepping into our righteous position. We're stepping into a place where we speak. We know God hears us. We know God's will is to set people free, so we know we're in line with him. When we command and pray according to his will in Jesus' place, it's going to happen. So notice, he cast this guy. He wasn't afraid of the devil. He wasn't afraid of things. He commands, and the spirits obey him. He commands, and the spirits do what? Obey Obey him. So he commands sickness, and what does it do? He commands the devil, and what does it do? Notice, he was a master of sickness and a master of the evil forces of devils in his life. He had no inferiority. He wasn't afraid of them. He wasn't scared of them because he knew that he was the righteousness of God in Christ, and he was a master of these situations. So now, and why was, he a, why was he a master? Because he was the righteousness of God in Christ with the anointing of God, with no sin consciousness in his mindset, unworthiness in the mindset. Now, you've got to be careful because the world basically makes the devil look like he's this monster. I mean, if, if you're watching fear movies, I tell you to stop. Just don't do it anymore. Because a bunch of lies being sewed into you. And then one night you're going to be getting up and something's going to move in the corner of your room and you're going to be calling me for help. <laughs> See, you don't have to do that, praise God. It's not that way. It's not what they're projecting it to be, praise God. The devil is actually defeated. The Bible says he does have a place in your life, but it's underneath your feet. So they're trying to tell you all this stuff, get you all this stuff. It's, it's all basically to make you think something that's not true. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. You're the ruler over that situation. You're the one who's a master over that situation. You're basically in a position basically where you can rule and reign on these things. So when you start ministering like this or operating in it, people around you are going to say, what the heck is this? What's going on? What are you doing? Who do you think you are? Because they don't know who they are. They haven't ascended that place in their mindset yet, but they are. Just because you're not doing what God has told you you can do doesn't mean you can't do it. So you've got to find out. So what do I do? I usually, when I read these things, I put myself in my imagination in place of Jesus. I don't put myself in place of Peter denying Jesus three times. I don't put myself as Job. I put myself as Jesus. So as I see myself healing sickness, healing disease, casting out devils, doing these things, pretty soon it becomes more real to me in here than what's actually happening out here. And that's where the change is made. It's made in your imagination because your imagination is the gateway to, from the natural to the spirit world. And how you see yourself is how you're going to react. Many things before you got born again you were afraid of, you're no longer afraid of. 
Why is that? Because you see it differently. You see it as a king. You see it as something that rules over. You see it as not a problem anymore because your mind has been renewed to the things of God. So here's Jesus. He runs into sickness and disease. What does he do? He heals them. What does he do with the devil? He casts the devil out. All right, go to Mark chapter 4. Kept all these in Mark. You ought to be awful happy this morning. You don't hardly have to wear your fingers out at all. All right, Mark chapter 4, look at verse 36. And when they had sent away the multitudes, they took even with him as he was in the ship, and they were also with him in other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and said unto him, Master, don't you care that we're just about ready to die? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you do not have any faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? All right, so here we see a righteous man in action again. What's he doing? He's taking a nap in the boat. He's doing just fine. The wind picks up. The water starts coming in. And the disciples start doing what? Freaking out. Why? They're going to drown. The boat's full of water. And how many know at this time they were probably mad at him? That's why they said, don't you care? Don't you care? Did you ever pray like, don't you care, Jesus? I'm hurting here. Don't you care? Yeah, he cares. He's trying to make a connection with it or get you to do what you should be doing in that situation because you're the righteousness of God in Christ. So he simply stood up and he spoke to him, didn't he? He rebuked the wind, he rebuked the sea. Why? Because a righteous man has authority not over demon, not only demons, not only sickness, but also the laws of nature over the fish of the sea, the fowls of the air, and everything that creepeth upon the earth. You have authority over all the creeps. So don't put up with the creeps. Use your authority to rule over the creepy things on the earth. Why? Because you're a righteous person. How did you get that way? By the blood of Jesus. What did you do? Nothing. I got born again in the kingdom of God and became the righteousness of God in Christ. It was freely given to me. Now I have authority over all these things. And notice how the disciples reacted to this thing. What do they say? Don't you care? Don't you care? And then you've got to be careful, once again, of sermons that you hear that put you on the losing end trying to get to be a winner. You're not a loser. You're already a winner. Right. What'd you do to become a winner? Nothing. You got born again. So you already got the victory. So he'll say, just keep Peter, just keep Jesus in your boat. And if you keep him in his boat, anytime a storm will come, he'll speak to it. No, he won't. If you've been in the church 40 years and the storm comes, he's done speaking. It's time for you to open your mouth or put your life jacket on, whichever one you want to do. Because he wants us to grow up in this. He wants us to see the authority. He wants us to see what we can do. And notice, he didn't say, it's a good thing you called me. My God, we were going to drown. No, he said, what's your problem? I've been with you three years now. What's your problem? I told you to speak to the winds and the waves. And here you are crying like a bunch of little babies and doing this stuff. And basically, he stood up and do it. And then he says, why are you fearful? And you know what they did? They feared exceedingly. <laughs> yeah, he went from fearful to exceedingly fearful. I mean, no, faith must not cometh. <laughs> but that's the way it is when our minds at one time were so messed up that we, anytime we saw anything in the supernatural, that's got to be of the devil. The first time you ran into somebody praying in tongues, you knew it was the devil. Why? Whatever you can't understand here, 
you're going to have a battle with. See, and they couldn't understand it yet. They weren't born again, nothing else. They didn't understand what he was even talking about. But basically, he told them, peace, be still. That's all he had to say, and it took it. And why did he do that, basically? Because he knew he was the righteousness of God in Christ. He knew he was a master over sickness. He was a master over disease. He's a master over all these things because that was his position. The Bible said he has been raised into heavenly places far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. Then it goes on to say, and we have been raised with him in heavenly places far above all principality, right, and dominion. See, this is where we are. But we don't see ourselves there. We see ourselves down here someplace. But the only difference is we've just got to get to that place where we understand what a righteous man will actually do. All right, go to Mark chapter 6. Look at verse 35. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto Jesus and said, This is a desert place. And now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. And Jesus answered and said to them, You give them to eat. Now how many know that rattled their brain? Because I'll tell you what, McDonald's was not just around the corner. And they said unto him, Shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them something to eat? He said unto them, How many loaves have you here? Go see. And when they knew, they said, Five and two fish. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two breads, he looked up to heaven, blessed and brake the loaves, and gave them to his disciples, set them before them, and two fish divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up the twelve baskets full of fragments of the fishes. And they that eat was the loaves of about how many men? 5,000 men. Now, how many know this is definitely a miracle? There's no question about this. I don't know how big the fish were, but I'm sure they weren't that big. I mean, I don't know what kind of fish they got over there, but they had to be huge. But no, what did he do? Notice he looked up to heaven. He knew who he was. He apparently appealed to the Father about these people need some food, and he wasn't nervous. He wasn't doing anything. He told them to sit down. Why? Because he was going to feed them. Why did he tell them to sit down? They thought they were going to get fed. So everything was working just fine. He breaks the bread and he goes ahead and gives it to them. So notice, a righteous man is not worried about having stuff or having enough or afraid of lack or afraid of these things because they're a righteous man and they know their father will take care of them. Remember, in I think it's in Matthew chapter 6 or 7 where Jesus said, why do you worry? Your father knows what you need. What, what is your problem? Why are you worried? But when we're making our source something other than the father, we better worry. See, and disciples had the same mindset as I had years ago, and that is, if I'm going to do something and get some money and do something, I'm going to have to do it. And how many know there was no way to do it, and even if I did do it, it didn't do? Because you tried to do it on your own. But notice, here, here he was. Here's a righteous man. He wasn't afraid to sit everybody down. He wasn't afraid to do it. He had no sense of lack. He had no sense of uneasiness around sickness and disease. He had no sense of fear around demonic people because basically he was the righteousness of God in Christ. But now he has made us the righteousness of God in Christ. So notice, worry is a sign that you still don't know your full righteousness. Why am I worrying? Because I believe I'm not going to have anything. But why do you believe that? Because you don't believe their source is God. How many know God's never going to run out? If prices go up, how many know it ain't going to bother him? How many know he's already said he would take care of you? He said he'd meet your needs according to his riches in 
And I, I think there's plenty in glory. Never been there, never saw it, but I'm sure there's a well storehouse there. So basically what happened here, once again, is someone had perfect fellowship with the Father. He had time. And notice, at the end, there were 12 baskets full left over. Say 12. 12. Now, now, if that had been us, we'd have just said, everybody's fed. Fine, let's go. Just throw your stuff on the ground. We'll go to the next mountain and preach. But notice, Jesus said, pick up every little fragment. What does that tell you? He don't like waste. He don't believe in waste. He's not going to give you a bunch of stuff if you're going to waste it. Why would he do that? So he picked up every little fragment because he expects us to do things. He expects us to be accountable for what he gives us, basically. And if you have too much, then give it to somebody else or do something with it. But, but just don't waste things. So he picked up every single one. Why? He was a righteous man. So if he's a righteous man, he's in the image and likeness of God, then I've got to believe God thinks the same way he thinks. God would do the same things as he did because he was God. If you've seen me, you've seen the... So he was just showing you what the Father's like so we could be what the Father's like as soon as he made us the righteousness of God in Christ. And he already has. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. So righteousness has been restored to each and every one of us. We've been righteous by the blood. Say, by the blood. Somebody says, what manner of man is this? It's the church today. That's what manner of man it is. It's the church today. It's us today. It's who we are today. But you know, we're waiting. We play the waiting game. We're waiting for the king to come when he's already here. We're waiting to enter the kingdom when you're already in it. All these things we're waiting for already belong to us, and we keep preaching people to wait for them, and I'm tired waiting. Amen. See, all these things belong to us. You're already in the kingdom of God. You are the righteousness of God in Christ, and it's not up to you that you got there, praise God. It's up to Jesus, because this is what the Father wanted to begin with. He didn't create Adam and Eve unrighteous. Say, okay, let's make man sick, down and out, worthless, terrible, and let him work their way into me. No, he made man perfect. And Jesus came to restore us to that place. And we've been made perfect again. Our spirit man is perfect. He's got the image and likeness of God himself on the inside. The Bible says, as he is, so are we in this what? In this world. So that's who we are. And that's God speaking. Jesus said, you'll do the same works that I did and even... Well, how are we going to do the same works if we don't have the anointing that he has, if we don't have the power he has, the authority he has, the righteousness we have, or the ability he has? We can't do the same. If we had part of his ability, then we'd have to do part of the works. But he says you'll do the same. In order to do the same, it's because we are just like him. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, go to Isaiah chapter 32. All right, here's your thermometer as you grow in righteousness of where you're at. Isaiah 32, look at verse 17. And the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness shall be quietness and assurance forever. And my people shall dwell in peaceable habitations and in sure dwellings and in quiet resting places. Now this tells me as long as your mind is still a railway station, Zoom, 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 zoom. Like a bunch of zoom, zoom. That means that you've not grown in your righteousness. If you cannot quiet your mind, you don't understand the righteousness that you have. And a lot of people, my God, their mind is a main intersection. 
Why is that? Because you're worried about this. Oh my God, what about this? And you start to do this, and then you start to do that, and then you try to do this, and you try, because you don't understand. You don't, you don't have to do all that stuff, praise God. A lot of it's already been done for you, and God's going to take care of you and the other things, and I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. So I don't have to fear this. I don't have to be worried about this. I don't have to do that. So notice what it says here. It's basically quietness, and it's talking about the mind. It's peace. Say peace. peace. Oh, isn't peace good? Oh, praise God. You do Thanksgiving dinner and you work and you work and you work and you hustle and try to get everything done right. Then you sit down and you, oh, and you eat in peace. Then you look at the dishes and oh, there goes your peace. <laughs> but you had peace there for a little bit. You experienced peace. Well, this righteousness, as you grow into it, you will have peace and quietness and assurance. Say assurance. I'm assured that these things belong to me. I'm assured that when I speak, it's going to happen. I'm assured that when I pray, the Father hears me. I'm assured that he hears me always. I'm assured of these things because now I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. You don't need any faith for righteousness to get it. You need faith in the righteousness that you already have. And the whole church is having faith for righteousness. There's a big difference between for and in. If you're believing for healing, why not believe in? That's good right there. I hope you take that with you and hit them with it. Put it in there. Don't let it out. Yeah, believe in. Why? Because you've already got it. You're, you're healed. It, it's part of you. That's who you are. You're already a love person. You don't have to believe for love. You have to believe in the love of God that was shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost and start walking in that love. God did it all. You don't have to do any of that stuff. But we want to, don't we? It is Santa Claus time. Well, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'll tell you why. But God's not Santa Claus. God did it when you didn't deserve it. Uh, did it when you didn't qualify for it. It already belongs to you, praise God. And then we teach our children that. I can't go there. I'm going to get in trouble. Yeah, yeah. well, they'll think, they'll think of God just like they think of Santa. And I've got nothing against Santa. I've got something against the attitude of Santa. If I've got to be good to get something from Santa, then when I find God, I've got to be good and do things to get something from And that's not the way it is. See? They're completely different things. If you don't behave, God's not going to love you anymore. Yes, he is. You need to smack yourself. Because that kid, every time he does something wrong, he thinks God doesn't love him anymore. Well, that's not true. He certainly wouldn't love you if that was true. So see, we, we teach these things that the world teaches and the way they look at things. That's, that's not it, praise God. You can't do that stuff because your kids are learning from you. How many know they're a sponge? Right. Just do something stupid you don't want them to pick up and they'll pick it up. They'll talk the same way. They'll act the same way. They'll do something. They're just like a sponge out there. So you've got to let them know what's going on. If you want to say, well, Santa's coming to town, but when Jesus comes to town, you don't have to be good, you know, to get because it's already been given to you and already provides for you. Hallelujah. Santa is basically, the attitude of Santa is basically religion. You have to do something. And how many know religion does not breed peace, does not breed quietness, does not breed assurance? No. And as you find out that you're righteous, this faith that we're already trying to get, how many are always, always trying to get faith? Uh, read the word, read the word, get more faith, read the word, read the word. No, your faith will grow out of this assurance of who you are and the ability that you have on the inside of you. It will unconsciously grow on the inside of you. You'll, you'll know that you have rulership over sickness and disease, that you have rulership over things around you and circumstances. And basically, basically, you'll just act like you do those things. And that's a big part of it. The more you act on what God tells you you are and what you can do, the more it grows on the inside of you. If you never act on it, you'll never grow in it. 
It'll never, like riding a bike. If you never get on it, you'll never be able to ride it. You can say you like bikes. You're faithful to your bike. You washed and polished your bike. You got the best bike in the world. But if you don't get on it and fall down a couple times, come on, and then get on and learn to ride the thing, you've got to do it in order to do that. It's the same thing with the things of God. Whatever you see in the Word of God here. Now, you learned this morning, I have authority over the laws of nature. I have authority over sickness and disease because I'm the righteousness of God. So then what do you want to do? You want to, you want to act like somebody who has the righteousness of God. And when you walk up to the first person and you say, in Jesus' name, be healed, and they get healed, you'll probably be as shocked as they will. Come on, won't you? My God, it worked. Dear Lord, what's going on here today? Yeah, because we're not used to that. We're not used to being spirit beings and supernatural beings. But this stuff is ordinary in the spirit world. See? And as we grow into stuff, we're learning more and more about it. Go to Romans chapter 14. Here's one of the main excuses of the church. But that was Jesus. Jesus spoke to disease. Yes, he did, but that was Jesus. Jesus healed the sick, but that was Jesus. No, that was righteousness. All right, Romans 14, look at verse 17. For the kingdom of God, how many of you are in it? is not about meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the... For he that in these things serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Now notice, for the kingdom of God, how do I describe it? It is righteousness first that causes peace, that produces joy, and now you're living in something somebody called the Holy Ghost. For he that is in these things serves Christ. So I don't serve Christ by doing necessarily natural things. I do them by walking in peace and walking in joy and walking in righteousness with God. Because it's not necessarily what you do miracle-wise that impresses God. It's good because you're supposed to be doing it anyway. But it's about your relationship with God. And your relationship with God has to come out of a righteousness, a peace, and a joy in God. When you're walking in that, you're walking with God. When you wake up in the morning, you're walking with God. When you come to a problem, you and God are talking about it. What should I do? What do you want me to do? Here you talk. You're walking with God here. You're doing it. But you can't do that. How many know you can't do that if you're worry and fear and unworthiness and walking in that stuff? You can't even hear God. There's no relationship there whatsoever. So here it says, for he that in these things serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved of who? Is proved to men. How many know if somebody's sick and basically they're, they're terminal sick and you pray for them and they get healed? How many know you're going to be accepted by them? They don't care what you did yesterday. They don't care what happened in your life. They don't care if you've been divorced 562 times. They don't care the last time you went to church. They just know that they were sick and now they're well. Amen. And that's what it's all about, praise God. God using us to do these things that belong to us. So sin consciousness basically gives us a works mentality. Righteous consciousness gives us a trust mentality we don't work we just trust we trust in what God has did we trust in what God has said the Bible says our father is greater than all Jesus said one time Jesus said greater is he that's in us than he is in the world he said basically whatever you hear you hear from God my sheep know my voice they know my voice well you don't know his voice if you're worrying if you're fearful if you're all that you're hearing a lot of voices I mean you know the more rattled you get the more voices you hear and then you've got to sort between 65 voices over here and 32 over there and pick out which one was God. 
That's why you walk in peace all the time because you, you, you keep the umbilical cord connected to God. And, and you hear a voice and you know it's his because you're not worried, you're not fearful, you're not anything. You know it's God speaking to you and in you and through you. And many of the times, how many know it's in the word of God? So that definitely helps. It belongs to us, each and every one of us. So as we understand that we're righteous, not by anything that you do or don't do, it's already been provided for you. All right, one more. Go to Romans chapter 5. Don't let people steal a righteous attitude from you. In the church, basically, it's not looked at as a righteous attitude. It's looked at as a prideful attitude. That you think, who do you think you are? Well, I don't have to think who I am. I know who I am because he put it in a book. Praise God. I mean, how did you get that way? I got that way because it was a miracle. Jesus gave it to me. It's freely given to me. Praise God. And I'm just doing it. All right, Romans chapter 5. Look at verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one. Now, how many know that's talking about Adam? For if by one man's offense, Adam, death reigned by one, which was Adam, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life. Shall reign where? Where shall they reign? Where? where do they reign? When they die and go to heaven? When the second coming, Jesus comes down? See, all these things are in God's program for us. They have already been given to us. They already belong to us. This stuff doesn't really even need faith to get because you've already got it. It's already been given to you. So here he says, basically, much more are they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift. Say the gift. The gift. Oh, I love that word. I mean, like gifts. Yeah. Yeah, a gift. It's a gift of righteousness. It's not what you earn. It's not what you do. It's not how you perform. It's not how you not perform. It has nothing to do with it. Stop focusing on sin all the time. It builds your sin consciousness. If you sin and you're walking with God, you will know it. You don't have to examine your, your mind at the end of the day for four hours to try to pick out a sin. You know it right away when you do something stupid. So you simply confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all un. And now what? I'm right back in my righteous position that I was. I don't have to do penance. Well, that was a bad one, Lord. I'm really going to have to do something now to make up for that one. Bring you a bouquet of roses. <laughs> no, you don't have to do that. It, it's simply in the book. He wants you in a righteous position. Don't you understand? He wants you there. It's not something you're trying to get from him or, or persuade him to do or manipulate him to do. He wants us walking in his righteousness that he provided for us, our power. He wants the sick healed. How's he going to do it? He's going to do it through the people that he has here to do it. How's he going to cast out demons? He's going to do it through the people he has here. How's he going to control the laws of nature? He's going to do it through the people he has here, but the people who are here are trying to get him to do something that he told them to do and it's their purpose to do. So nobody's doing their own purpose. They're miserable. They go to church and they figure every Sunday that's good enough. If I go every Sunday someplace and spend my hour and 15 minutes, hour and a half, then I'm good and I'm good with God. Well, praise God. If you're born again, you're good with God. I mean, you know that, but still there's a place to walk into where we can walk in our purpose. Say purpose. And how many know it's important to fulfill your purpose? There's no joy and peace outside of your purpose. So as we walk in our purpose, the more you walk in it, the more peace there is, the more joy there is, the more you grow in the things of God, and the more things worth. You're a son and daughter of God this morning. You didn't do anything to get it. You just got born again. And now you're in the family of God. You're sons. You're sons and daughters of God. Now we've got to start acting like sons and daughters of God. It's time to start using what God has given us, praise God. And I guarantee you, all heaven will be clapping. You cast the devil out, they're not going to say, I wish he'd quit that. <laughs> no, the angels are going, go, man, go, go. 
because that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's how we extend the kingdom of God, that and the culture that we bring to the kingdom of God. That's why we act the way we do. We love people who don't love us. We forgive people who don't deserve to be forgiven because we have a kingdom culture on the inside of us also. But we're going to move into a place here. Say up here. Say up here. Yeah. Up here, this is where we're going to grow into and understand the of rights that we have when we got born into the kingdom of God and they've all been freely given to us by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ because he simply loves us. Hallelujah. And then as you start operating in it, one thing that will start growing in you that I've noticed is something called compassion. Whenever Jesus healed somebody or did somebody, it said he was moved with compassion. When, you first get, when I first got in this, I was moved because I wanted to see people how wonderful I was. Come on, how many know that's natural? Yeah, uh, if I pray for them and they get healed, look at me. How great thou art, praise God, hallelujah. How great art, how great I art. But after you get to a while, you find out none of this stuff is for, from you anyway. You're just doing what he already told you to do and what he gave you to do. And you're doing it. You can't take any credit for it anyway. And it delivers that. But I think everybody goes through that, you know, a little while also. But it's all about it. This morning, near the righteousness of God in Christ. Whether you operate it or not is entirely up to you. Whether you want to earn it, just go out, try to earn it another week, and we'll try again next week. See, we can't, can't get you out of it and get you to believe what God already did for you. And I'll tell you, it's a process. You know that? There's a lot of stuff in there yet, and you come to certain situations, you see yourself as a loser because you lost in that situation before, and basically you, you can't see yourself as a winner. But you're a victor this morning. You don't have to wait for the victory this morning. You already have the victory this morning. Praise God. Hallelujah. I mean, you know, that makes him a good God. I'm a, that makes you something to be thankful for this morning, praise God. Because he's such a good God. Isn't that right? Hallelujah. Praise God. All right. High noon. Time to go. Praise God. The restaurants are filling up. We've got to get the righteous people in there first. Praise God. Got to feed them first. Praise God. All right. Let's just pray this morning. Father, I pray for everyone in here right now. I take authority over any spirit that would be, be, be holding their minds back, would be keeping them from coming into the righteous mindset that you want them to. Right now, I speak to every harassing spirit right now, every lying devil, every influencing spirit on the minds of the people in Treasure Coast Victory Center. I command you right now, you go in the name of Jesus. You release them. You let them go. You have no jurisdiction here. You have no right here. And you get off of their minds every thought that you're putting in, every voice that you have. I break you off right now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I thank you for rising up on the inside of every single person here, bringing to remembrance everything that they learned from the Word of God. I thank you also for healing every single person in this place. The Bible says that you will heal our mortal bodies, and I thank you right now, and I proclaim healing in every single part, every single heart, every single bone, every single ligament, every single thing in the bodies right now. Holy Spirit, rise up. Let your healing power flow into their lives and completely set them free of all sickness and all disease. And we ask all this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we'll see you Wednesday night. the kingdom